Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, I am sitting down with Vladimir discussing Compose and other things from a user perspective. Hi, Vladimir. Hi. Hi, Hadi. Before we get started with Compose from a user perspective, and uh, I was just mentioning to Vladimir right before the recording that uh, there is in the pipeline a, a podcast with Leland, which will probably come out before this one, uh, in which we've dived a little bit into how Compose works, it would be interesting to see from a user perspective how Compose works and how it changes the way you program. But uh, yep. before we get into that, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, sure. So my name is Vladimir Ivanov. I work as a solution architect at EPAM Systems, but my main background is uh, Android development. So I spent near eight years doing almost only uh, developing applications for, for Android platform. Uh, but some time ago, I switched to, you know, more, more architecture thing, but I'm still hands-on. So doing a lot of mobile stuff uh, with Android apps still. So that I've, I've tried, I, I had like two times trying Compose and I'm really excited uh, on where it is going. All right. So you've been on this for eight years, and I'm yeah. assuming that during these eight years, we've had a lot of. Oh, actually, I don't know. I mean, how many different types of UI technologies has gone through Android? Uh, well, it most well it, it began with XML files, right, and doing stuff, manipulating views right from the activity. So it was back. I don't know, uh, twenty thirteen. 2012, uh, but then then later fragments uh, came within and uh, it changed the perspective a little bit, but it's still the same views and so on. Then butter knife uh, came, so we got these fancy annotations instead of view find by ID. Uh, and then the data binding came and that, that changed the, the whole thing, right? But uh, those were just evolutionary things. So they were sugaring up the way that we are doing the XML itself, right? And manipulating the view. Uh, but it was still all those, you know, set visible gone or set visible visible and so on. And you, you had to manipulate all these things. I remember the time I was doing uh, a mobile application for, for guitarists. Or basically playing using showing tabs to them on the, on an Android device, and you you have this view of a, of a player. So you have those tabs, the the progress bar that loads it initially, the play pause button, maybe speed button, and something else. And I had a ton of code that were hiding or enabling different views depending on the state. Like the the tabs are loaded, the uh, the soundtrack is loaded. The music is playing, or 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 it's paused, and and so on. So that that was a mess. <laughs> uh, and last year, Jetpack Compose uh, appeared. Let's say because it, it didn't came came out, but it appeared there were a possibility to to check out some part of AOSP and launch a custom version of Android Studio and start playing with it. So what is the AOSP? You mentioned AOSP. You know, some people well, might not be familiar. Yeah, Android open source project. So basically, it's uh, almost the full uh, source code for Android itself. 
So all the I, I believe all the C code, all the Java code, the the platform itself, some of the system apps, uh, so that that allow the Android to do that, and all all the versions are there, and you virtually can't check out the whole thing because it's hundreds of gigabytes, but you can check out a, a small branch, right? Uh, and there will be the newest tools, newest things that, that are happening there. But now when it comes to the actual UI design, during all of these eight years and the time that you've been involved in Android, generally it's it's been coded, right? I mean, in different syntax and different uh, languages and XML and, and other things, but you really haven't had kind of like a drag and drop uh, interface with Android ever, have you? Well, uh, well, it, there actually was. So uh, in this Android Studio thing, you have uh, it, you 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 used to have only the XML uh, editor uh, in the beginning, but later, maybe twenty fifteen, there was a uh, the uh, the tool appeared that allow you to first of all to see what you're coding. So just live preview, it was super buggy. And it wasn't refreshing, but but still, it, it provides some feedback, right? And then the UI editor came out, uh, especially with, uh, uh, with the appearance of Constraint Layout built by Google. So you could actually bring some widgets on the screen and then even modify the constraints if you were using Constraint Layout. So that was already some kind of what you see is what you get editor. Not not fully, but 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 there there was a possibility. There there still is a possibility to drag and drop the components on your on your view. Yeah, I've played with that a little bit, and I I mean I could you could call it drag and drop. I I would probably call it more drag and confusing. And what you see is why <laughs> why are you getting this instead of you know it's more like a question than than an affirmation. Yep. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it I mean. The, my, my, the reason I'm asking this question is that generally most Android developers have, have worked with UI has been mostly coded and then and seeing a preview, right? Yeah, uh, it, exactly. it, it's not like back in the old days when we used to have uh, Delphi or Visual Basic where you would drag and drop components and then hook these things up. Yeah, ex exactly. Right. Exactly, just, just causing things... And I, I, I still prefer to switch back to the editor, so I, I, I can control everything. <laughs> right. And now with with uh, Compose, it's still much the same way, right? I mean, you're going to be writing out the UI, and then you can basically preview it a little bit eventually, or at some point yes. with with the yeah. with the preview. The difference being, and and again for those not familiar with Compose, essentially you are using Kotlin as a DSL to create your UI, correct? Yep, exactly. Instead of writing XML elements, you're writing functions uh, with the composable annotation, and that's it. Right. So each function is a separate UI element or, or a group of elements on your screen. Right. And when we first came out with Kotlin, one of the things that we started to showcase was this DSL ability. And then, of course, we came out with uh, library slash DSL for views for Android. Do you remember that? Uh, I remember when the DSL appeared. So that, that was one of the first primary capabilities of Kotlin. Like, you know, you have this... Uh, 
these brackets that you put your lambda in, and this this allows you to to build the DSL. But you don't remember what it was called, no? No, 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 no. Kind of, kind of, kind of proving my point here uh, <laughs> that that we did have. Uh, you remember the Kotlin extensions, right? Uh, for yeah. Android, yeah. And then yeah. that had basically, you know, it had a whole bunch of uh, different functionality, like the Find View by ID. Uh, oh yeah. But it also had this this DSL kind of approach where you could write out your Android views using this DSL. And uh, you, so you never used this really, did you? No, 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 I haven't used that. Right. Ever. Uh, question being like, you know, I know that under the covers it's different to how Compose is implemented, but I was trying to see if you've, if you'd used that and, and you see much difference or from a user perspective, what are the differences with, with Compose? But okay, that, that's fine. So coming to Compose, do you do web development at all or not? Like with React or any other technology? Yeah, I'm basically using React, React Native, and I'm investigating uh, the Flutter capabilities right now for a client. Right. So, so yeah, I, I have the different tastes of this, you know, declarative UI thing. Okay. And how does Compose compare with something like React? Is it essentially the same idea as a user when you're using it as a developer? Yes, yes. So uh, I believe it is the same. It, it, at least it feels the same for me. Uh, and actually, Flutter, Flutter as well. So uh, everything goes with the same approach. Like you, you declare a view, you declare another view under, underneath, and declare another one. You split everything in the components and uh, use it to to build your, you, you know, you know everything. I I have the same folder structure for all the three projects. So when I compare, I was comparing React Native to Flutter. So I, I built the same uh, the same application with both technologies. And then I uh, picked up uh, Jetpack Compose to build uh, exact the same functionality with the Compose. And I saw that, uh, yeah, the, the folders, the classes, everything is pretty much the same. Uh, the only difference that I see right now is that uh, in Dart, you use classes, right? And in React Native, you don't uh, need this thing because you have React hooks. And uh, Compose was built already with the hooks inside. So basically what you have, like using the state is basically a hook. So th this is great. I was even tweeting about that a, a year ago when I first tried Compose. Yeah, so explain a little bit more what these hooks are for, for people that aren't familiar with the React model. Okay, okay. So uh, so React began with uh, class-based components, right? So you have some uh, callbacks and you could use uh, state uh, aside of the props that exist in every component. And this state, when it's modified, your, your component gets re-rendered. Right, so this is good, but you you had to use classes, and the main problem with classes is that uh, when you want to reuse them, it's virtually uh, impossible because you need to copy paste all, all all these pieces that are all over the the class itself, so you can't reuse it. And the idea was that okay, so we place uh, the functionality that we want to reuse in a separate function. We call it a hook. So we can, for example, move the state out of the class and then the class itself is not needed. All you need is a function that renders your, your UI. 
and the state capability goes goes to to the hook to the function itself as a parameter so to a function essentially yeah 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 and you just call it you, yeah. you you say hey use use state and you have a piece of state in any of your function component and in jpeg compose it's the same so you you can say hey this, this is the state and i'm using it in the function right and and that's great and when when this state gets uh, gets changed the components get re-rendered right and so essentially kind of like essentially functional programming yes that where yeah you, yes, you're yes. not maintained the the curiosity here i guess for me is that react was born out of i mean initially it was javascript right yeah javascript doesn't even have the concept of class it has functions i one has to wonder why they designed it in such a way that you needed class to maintain state and then eventually they migrated to this approach of using hooks for state. That this is a mystery to me. So you kind of have classes with uh, ES6, right? Yeah. JavaScript. Right. But, you know, it's get transpiled and so on. So. Yeah. And with TypeScript and stuff. But it's like JavaScript was never a a language that had classes, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not object-oriented yeah. <laughs> whatsoever. So, okay. So, and then, so you've used all of these. You've used uh, Flutter, you use React, and you use Compose. Uh, yeah. You said you wrote the same application with this. Did, by the way, is that application available online? Uh, open no, 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 no. No, just proof of concept, just try Just a proof of, of concept. Yeah. So how do you feel about it? Like, w what are the wins and the misses in, in each of these? Or let me rephrase the question first with another one. Having tried this out, the proof of concept, and you know you are in this trial error and uh, trying something out for a new project, and you've tried all these the combinations, which one would you go to, go with, okay. if you were yeah, to yeah. start a new project today? Oh, okay, so this is a very interesting project, and there are a lot of vari variables here. Uh, because, you know... Well, you can't go to production with Jetpack Compose at the moment because it's not even alpha yet, right? So it's uh, it's a dev version, dev ten. You uh, you already can uh, like download the Android Studio and start start coding. Yeah, so I, I was where uh, Jetpack Compose is not ready for production yet. So obviously you can build some screen, right? But you you. I believe you can't build the the whole the whole application with it. Uh, so the tools are just the developer preview. Uh, the code itself is just dev. Uh, API is not finalized whatsoever. And as far as I know, there is no uh, no restriction on breaking APIs, right? So the the Android UI toolkit team is allowed to break anything that they would like to build a better uh, a better library, right? So uh, the Android Studio preview is a bit luggish because, you know, I tried to launch the application in the emulator and the emulator just crashed on the start. So what I virtually had is only, uh, only the preview working in the Android Studio itself, but it works pretty good, but it requires, you know, a keystroke every time I save a file. So, but, but that, that's okay. Another concern for me is uh, the integration with uh, with the concurrency. 
So what you would like to have is to have, you know, the crowds and supports, flow support, and, and so on. I'm not sure how it works right now with Jetpack Compose. Uh, a year ago, the compiler was just crashing right away when you tried to, you know, pass a suspend function in, inside a composable function. Because I believe there was some conflicts between the uh, the compiler plugin that that is used for for Jetpack Compose and part of the Kotlin compiler that uh, that is responsible for handling this suspending thing. So it is not ready yet, but the developer experience. So from from the uh, from the point of view of a developer writing code. It is very convenient and very good. And the API evolutionized uh, in a very good manner. Uh, Because, you know, a a year ago, if you wanted to have a padding in Jetpack Compose on an element, you had to introduce another element. So say you have a text, you want a padding, you're you're not modifying any attributes of the text component. You're adding another element uh, on top of, of the text. But right now you have a modifier for everything. You just include the modifier to anything. You can uh, reuse this modifier across the whole project. So you can have a modifier with padding and just just you know move it move it to any component you want. Uh, so that that feels great, but it's still in the developer phase. Uh, I think that we require another year to to build. Uh, the applications with that, but it is definitely the future, and I would love to have Jetpack Compose as a primary tool for all the Android developers. So I- I'm super excited. Okay, and that's completely valid because it is, you know, in not production ready yet. Whereas you're comparing it to something like React and Flutter, that is. Now let's assume for a moment that it were that it were production ready and it was smooth and there was no, you know, issues with the compiler plugin or anything like that, from the developer experience perspective and from the effectiveness, if you want, which one would you go with? <laughs> well, I I can't limit it to the developer experience because uh, if you're building Android application, I would, mm, I think I would go with Jetpack Compose because it's Kotlin, so it feels very good. Uh, this is the language I already had practice with, and I think the transition for existing developers will will be easy. But I think that Compose is limited at the moment to to Android, only only to Android, right? So I saw uh, a try to use Jetpack Compose on Ktor uh, to to oh, render something on on Ktor. Okay, Tor. Ktor. Ktor. Ktor, right. Yeah, yes. yeah, Ktor. Yeah. I, I, uh, sorry for my pronunciation. Yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Nobody and, really, we, uh, we never said any, I don't think on the website we actually say how we pronounce Ktor. So you are completely <laughs> forgiven. Okay, okay, thank you. So there's a way, even the web page that is built with Jetpack Compose, so you can, you know, use state and all, all these widgets, and that, this, is, this is great. But still, Jetpack Compose is Android only at the moment. And if you thinking of comparing it with Flutter or React Native, you you can't build an iOS application with it yet. But from the developer experience, uh, 
Kotlin feels great, so Jetpack Compose feels feels awesome. So uh, you you can have a preview on any composable function you would like to, and this is awesome because you can debug you know every component. Well, preview every component that you want to to see how it, how it looks like, at least. So this is great. Uh, I don't remember such a capability for React Native, and I think Flutter. I'm not sure what what happens with the preview there, but uh, the preview, uh, there's a hot reload only for Flutter, right? So you you need an emulator or a device that will be showing you uh, your application. Yeah, but the Jetpack Compose is somewhat similar to Swift UI, is it not? Uh, I think yes, but I haven't tried Swift UI yet. This is this is still the future. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Swift UI, it, it looks very much similar to essentially just kind of more, I would even say more like the builder pattern than anything else. Uh, it doesn't obviously have the DSL structure that Kotlin has, uh, but hoping at some point they just port it over to Swift UI, to Swift. So okay. Uh, okay. I'm not uh, saying us, yeah. I'm saying hopefully one day, uh, someone, anyone. Okay. Yeah. Another perspective, so... so Speaking from the developer perspective, uh, other concern I have is the testing for Jetpack Compose. Uh, a year ago, there were no proper tests, and there were uh, discussions on, hey, give us the access to the internals of the composable functions so we can you know, see what, what, uh, what components are there so we can uh, validate them. And uh, I, I remember Leland Leland replied that, hey, we're, we're changing that. You're not going to need this one. But I don't know what is the state of testing at the moment. Can I have a snapshot test of a composable function? Uh, can I have you know, an introspective like an enzyme in React Native so that, or, or in Flutter that I can see that the, there's a label there rendered? Uh, so this is an open question. I'm not sure how, how to do that with Jetpack Compose. And I think that a lot of this is going to evolve over time. I think that, uh, as you say, it's kind of still new technology. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. So one of the other topics that we were going to a little bit discuss was flow, right? You've been playing with that as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I did. I, I yeah. I even implemented uh, some search functionality with Flow in one of the production projects that we ship to the client. So that, that's great. <laughs> nice. And again, if you've come from Android for the past eight years, you've probably gone through a lot of different technologies uh, oh, when yeah. it comes to asynchronous programming and, and non-blocking your yeah. UIs. And where, where does Flow sit for you? Yeah, okay. So let's get back uh, to people that were coming to Android uh, recently, for example, or who is new to Android development. So during these 10 years, I, I even written an article about that. Uh, we had plenty of different options. So it all started with async task. That was a class that you had three callbacks in it. One was the doing background that were spinning, uh, was called on the background thread. So you could do some asynchronous operations there. You can call you you, uh, you could uh, could call the network, for example, a file system or whatever. 
And then you had another callback on post-execute where you could modify the UI thread with the result you received from the doing background. And that was a lot of boilerplate. It was very inconvenient. It was hard to maintain several async tasks in parallel. Uh, you couldn't do that with Android 3 because they were switching to, to a single thread, uh, to a single threaded thread pool for async tasks. So the behavior of your application was dependent on the Android version and so on. So that, that was a mess. Then the loaders were, were introduced and there were, uh, their primary goal was to get rid of the problem that uh, you had the lifecycle problems. You know, when your screen goes out and your async task is still running, you receive a result, try to modify the UI, and UI is not there, your application is crashing. And uh, the application is in the background, but you still the, the crash report on the screen. So that, that was horrible, but that was uh, uh, that was solved with, with loaders, and you had this caching capability with loaders and so on. But there was still a lot of boilerplate. And then Eric's Java came out, uh, I believe in 2015. And that was supposed to be, to be a solution for everything. So Eric's Java is a library for reactive programming, right? So supporting both uh, cold and hot streams, uh, singles, observables, managing, uh, managing the, the executors you were doing your work on uh but it was it was a so powerful tool that it, it was uh, it, it immediately began to be abused by the developers so instead of using it for reactive programming everybody was using it just for for background work so it was just a way to uh to do your back background work to download something from the network and this this is a major problem because you you have you know you know a big gun and you're shooting birds with it, and th this is the issue. And then Kotlin Karatins came out, right? And that was uh, uh, a fresh air for asynchronous work in Android, because that was kind of part of uh, of the language. So I know that the, the only real part of the language is the suspend keyword, right? And everything else is the, are just libraries, but still that was a, a native tool uh, of Kotlin to deal with asynchronous programming. And that was great. So I, I was advocating for that for a couple of years uh, because I, I strongly believe Eric's Java is not required in every app that you want and the time is proving me right. So everyone is considering Eric's Java kind of a legacy in Android projects right now. And everyone is switching to, to Krautins and Flow. So the, the last concern was for, for those who were using Rx Java was about uh, streams support, right? And with the first couple of uh, versions of Kotlin Karatins, you couldn't do that. But then uh, the, the only thing that you had out of the box were, were channels. And you had broadcast channel and conflated broadcast channel. So you could implement the same functionality with, with conflated broadcast channel. But uh, it is a, a hot stream, right? And uh, everybody wanted to have a cold stream. So you can call it a lazy one, right? That, uh, that is starting to 
provide you data only when you actually need it, when you, when you uh, explicitly asked for that. And then Flow came out. And Flow was the implementation for, uh, for cold streams in Kotlin Karatin's world. And uh, that was very good. But you had still to, uh, to use it with conflated broadcast channel because you, you had to have a mean to supply uh, some information uh, to, to that stream. And this is uh, exactly the way that I implemented some search functionality in, in the Android application that I mentioned. So how did it look like? Uh, imagine you have a search form, right? You have, a, you have an input. You want to type in something. You want a network call to reach the server and get the search result back displayed on the page. So, yeah. So essentially, on the fragment, you had to have uh, an uh, an input field, a, a broadcast channel, then a flow connected to the channel. Uh, then you put a text watcher on the edit field, and uh, submit submit the text values inside the channels, and then you need to subscribe uh, to the flow and, and handle handle the results. Um, yeah, but right now we have a state flow, which is, which is a substitution for, for this pair. So right now you can just have, uh, have a state flow, mutable state flow implementation and, and be happy with that. And I, I, I'm glad that it appeared. So yeah, this is yeah, this is a short history. <laughs> yeah, well, short. <laughs> Not short. <laughs> Sorry for that. No, that's fine. It it is just a it is a shortly long history, uh, but I mean, I think that that flow kind of starts to fit naturally, and uh, definitely addresses some of the issues that people were having uh, yeah. prior. So yeah, that's cool. So yeah, I mean, I guess that once uh, the Compose comes out as production ready and and combined with with flow, you know things can move in in great directions. Uh, personally, I would I would really love to see something like Compose outside of Android, and not because I have anything against Android, but because I don't really do Android development, and I would love to see something like Compose for the web or Compose for uh, desktop development, even more so actually. Than the web because yep. with the web you kind of little bit have it right i mean it's not exactly the same but the fact that you know we have kotlin react uh, applications that are basically wrappers around react that gives you a little bit the same feel right uh, and they support the the new uh, function hook approaches as well i believe yeah yeah so. th th they do out of the box uh, uh th the concern here is that well no offense, but I believe that uh, Kotlin is primarily adopted among Android developers, right? So the server-side folks are a bit concerned about bringing new tool because, no, we, we had a client. Uh, they were planning to rebuild 600 end-user applications, internal ones, uh, into a new web stack. And I was speaking with them about, hey, let, let's do Kotlin. And they were very concerned because, you know, this is a new tool, a new, new quality pipelines, new, new quality instruments, new dashboards, and new expertise, right? 
And they were like, oh, we are not doing that at that scale. So they're, they're not bringing Kotlin as a first language to, to backend developer where, where Java resides at the moment. Uh, I can understand that, but I, I'm not happy with that at all. So I, I would be happy to, to see Kotlin going there. And going back to, to Jetpack Compose, so uh, the, the same happens with the web thing because React, I don't know, what is, what is the market share of React at the moment? But the community is huge, right? So when we're speaking with the clients, clients about web, uh, web development, we're basically speaking about you know, React versus Angular versus Vue because there's uh, three, three major platforms. React is the biggest. So there are hundreds of thousands of developers that you can find on the market. And I believe, or, or I want to believe, that once Jetpack Compose gets uh, uh, get the possibility to do some web thing, we will have the ability to teach all the Kotlin developers, Android developers, or, or existing web developers, and say, hey, you know you re react, but it's with, uh, uh, with JavaScript. We, we provide you a, a better way of doing kind of the same, but with Kotlin, with, uh, with type safety, uh, but with the same declarative approach to, to web. And they will, become, be, uh, will, they will begin transition to, to this approach. But the concern is still there that the community for 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 backend is very small for Kotlin and for web it's even smaller. And yeah, that would would be great to have a way to to bring all that community on the Jetpack Compose side, so that it's not not only Android but UI everywhere. Yeah, Kotlin everywhere. Yeah, Kotlin everywhere. Kotlin everywhere. <laughs> Cool. Well, it was great chatting with you. And uh, thanks for taking the time to look into all of these technologies and especially Compose and Flow and uh, to give some user perspective. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see how things go. And uh, maybe we'll chat again at some point when everything is released and production ready and working on all platforms and the world is a wonderful place and we're not in lockdown and we can actually see each other and those things that uh, someone was commenting today about uh, whether when there is a business travel uh, booked, uh, you should be aware that there's a holiday when you're arriving in that location. And I'm like, what is a business trip anyway? Like, what are those <laughs> things? Business what? How yeah, exactly. What? <laughs> what? Cool. Well, great chatting with you. Yeah, thank you very much. I enjoyed it.